Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Liv Griffiths and this is our award-winning look at all things from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. Joining me this week, we have Alex Pereira once again. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hi, Liv. Uh, I'm not bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. All good for a Monday. Journalist and our lower league expert, Andrew Rayburn. Hi, Andrew. Good to see you. Hi, Liv. Long time. I know, mate. Where have you been? Missed you. Uh, I missed you too, Liv. (laughs) <laughs> and freelance women's football journalist Sandra Probby. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Right, guys, let's get cracking. The weekend, of course, was women's football weekend. We'll be looking at what happened over the weekend very shortly. But first, a look back at the Champions League action. Chelsea end the week, two points clear at the top of the group after a thumping 7 0 win in Geneva against Servette. Chelsea were rampant in the first half, scoring five in the first 25 minutes and adding a sixth before half time. Melanie Lupo with the scoring with a cracker. Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr both scored braces before Jesse Fleming squeezed in from a tight angle. Guru Wrighton added a seventh right at the start of the second half in a dominant display from Emma Hayes' side, who said that her side were outstanding and the victory wasn't easy. Hayes was also able to bring on Marin Mielder with the Norwegian making her first appearance since picking up that nasty injury in the Conti Cup final back in March. The other game in the group saw Juventus and Wolfsburg draw 2-2 in Turin. Christian Girelli gave Juve the lead against the runner play before Lena Latvijn equalised just four minutes later with one of the goals of the week as her rocket from the edge of the area swerved into the top corner. The Germans then took the lead when Tabia Vasmuth scored her fifth goal of the tournament, tucked home a well-worked goal. The game turned when Felicitas Rausch picked up a second yellow card a minute from the end. And then there was drama as Girelli turned in at the far post to rescue a point for the old lady. Ooh, lots to go through. Alex, that result in Turin puts Chelsea in pole position now, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And it was such a dominant performance to be 5-0 up within 25 minutes it's something that's really unheard of. Although they probably would have liked to have equaled Wolfsburg's all-time record of 12-0. Didn't quite happen for Chelsea, but they'll still be happy with a 7-0 victory. And it's so nice to see Marin Mielder back playing for Chelsea because it was such a horrible injury she sustained. So to see her back and not just playing, but her experience to be there is something really beneficial for the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, although Sivet at bottom of the group, it was still a really impressive performance from Chelsea, wasn't it? Emma Hayes just clearly thinks the team gets better and better. Well, I absolutely do, yeah. And I think um, it, it is one of those ones, isn't it, where, uh, you know, she says it wasn't easy. Of course it's not. And you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to break these sort of teams down, but they didn't waste any time in doing so, really. So, uh, um, you know, they, they work hard, Chelsea. They always they never uh, you know let opponents uh, off the hook do they they're always looking to to, to 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 beat them further into the ground they're not a team who will stop at two or three nil and uh, sort of declare they will uh, they will always go for the jugular and uh, yeah I mean just in front of goal they are they are ruthless yeah absolutely especially when they've got big players like Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby Sandra, just how important are these players for the Chelsea side to, you know, sort of pop up and and sort of bring that score and higher and higher and higher? Do you think, well, yeah, what do you think about it? Well, they're crucial. I mean, Sam Kerr, um, Justin WSL alone, you know, she's notched up six goals already. 
um, Frank Kirby as well, just as deadly. But then what's most impressive about Chelsea, um, both in Europe, but then also so, so far in Europe, but then also in the league is just the strength in depth. I mean, you have people like Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby, then, but then in, in, in terms of the attack, but then you've also got Jesse Fleming, Beth England, who's also very deadly in front of in front of goal. Um, you know, Guru Wright, Guru Wrighton, as you mentioned, they've just got so much quality. And then we've seen the, you know, the performance of their new signing from PSV Eindhoven and Eek Nguyen, who unfortunately couldn't um play in um the game against City yesterday, but then we just saw the quality she brings to the squad. And then Jess Carter, I mean, Chelsea, even though you know, Emma Hayes mentioned before that game that Servette were a team who uh, you know, made up of part-time footballers and Chelsea paid them the respect in the sense that they were, you know, relentless. Hayes said she wanted a relentless performance, regardless of the fact that, you know, this team were bottom of the group and Chelsea certainly delivered that and just, you know, as, as Andrew said, pummeled them into the floor. So, um, you know, but the, the, those players that she has right across the team, the likes of Kerr, Kirby, England, Jiso Young, all of them, they're, they're all crucial. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great time to be a Chelsea player, for sure. And in Group B, Paris Saint-Germain lead the way as they thumped Real Madrid 4-0. Two goals from Marie Antoinette Cotato. Sarah Debritz saw the Spanish side pummeled. It was a really comprehensive win for the Parisians as they now top the group by three points. In the other game in Ukraine, Karl Kip drew 0-0 with Icelandic side Breda Blick. In a strange turn of events, a few hours after the game in Paris, PSG midfielder Aminata Diallo was arrested by French police for an alleged involvement in an attack on her teammate Kira Hamraoui last week. Diallo was driving Hamraoui and another unnamed teammate home after a team meal in Paris on the 4th of November when they were ambushed by two masked men. She denies the attack and as such has been released with no further charges. Wednesday evening saw the turn of Arsenal as they travelled to Denmark to take on Kyrgyz in Group C. It was an impressive away win for the Gunners by five goals to one. It looked like it could be a long night as Nikita Paris's penalty was kept out by Kaylin Marquise. The deadlock was broken by Australian Steph Cately scoring her first goal for Arsenal. And what a goal it was as she curled a free kick into the top corner. Arsenal were frustrated up to half-time by the brilliance of Marquise, and it took them until the 62nd minute to get a second through Paris, who rifled home after a smart turn in the box. The Gunners turned the screw and Caitlin Ford got on the score sheet as she followed up with a header after Jordan Nobbs had hit the bar. A mistake at the back allowed Maddie Pacorni to score the Danish's first ever Champions League goal. Substitute Anne Patton looped home a fourth after good work by Ford, before Nobbs rounded off the scoring, driving home hard and low. Manager Jonas Adeval praised his players for being brilliant and magnificent. The other game in the group saw the current holders Barcelona brush aside Hoffenheim 4-0. They opened the scoring in just the fifth minute as Jenny Hermoso got the ball rolling as she headed home a free kick. And talking of free kicks, Alexia Putayas blasted home a second. Putayas got her second and the team's third on 33 minutes. But it was a moment to forget for Martina Tufkovic. Tufkovic redeemed herself with several saves in the second half. It was finally beaten for a fourth time by Marta Turiahon. Andrew, it's looking like Arsenal and Barcelona from this group after some a very impressive performance by the Gunners, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, you'd imagine they would uh, also win the home game against Kyrgyz comfortably too. And that would virtually be it, assuming Barca beat Hoffenheim, which... Uh, 
um, is a pretty sure thing as well. Uh, I mean, Arsenal made something like six changes, I think, for, for the game as well from the team that beat West Ham a few days before. It shows the real strength in depth, uh, you know, particularly as someone like uh, Manu Irabucci didn't even need to come off the bench. So, uh, uh, you know, that uh, Arsenal, you know, stretching their legs a little bit in Europe as they have been in the uh, in the WSL. And uh, it's, uh, it's certainly good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And Sandra, we just talked about how versatile Chelsea are. Five different goal scorers in this game for Arsenal. Would you say they have exactly the same strength in depth as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the likes of when you're seeing someone like Steph Catley score as well, net her her first goal, as you mentioned, they do have a lot of quality in attack and, and just... You know, the fact that so many players um, across the front in the midfield all, all inform from, you know, from Beth, Beth Mead and what have you. And just and obviously Nikita Paris, very hardworking, although she missed her penalty, bouncing back and getting the goal in the second half. And the fact, like, as you said, that, you know, Manu Mirabuchi didn't even need to come on. You know, and you can afford to, to, to rest someone like Vivian Mead and Mara as well. Then it's, it's quite impressive that you know the quality they have right across across the front certainly and and the back so both them and Chelsea similar in that respect yeah and I think uh, also I think all 10 of their group stage goals have come come from different players as well so I think that uh, that says a lot I'm not sure there's too many uh, Champions League teams male or female who can say that their first 10 goals in a Champions League group stage have all come from different players that's a great stat Andrew thanks for that Right, let's move on. So in Group D, Lyon fell behind to the only shot on target they faced and it came from one of their own players, Kadisha Buchanan, put through her own net. It took until the 65th minute for Lyon's dominance to pay off as Belgian midfielder Janice Kamen got the equaliser before Amadine Henri got the winner four minutes from time to move five points clear of Bayern at the top of the group. In the other game, a bit of a surprise, the Swedish side Hacken took all three points in Lisbon at Benfica, thanks to a 76-minute goal from Ellen Rubinson. Andrew, you'd think that the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Barca, Lyon, PSG, these are the teams that are going to be vying for the semi-finals, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's most likely to be that latter four. I think uh, I do wonder about uh, Arsenal against the, the, the very elite opposition. Um, so obviously what Barcelona did to them, but again, Barcelona can do that as you saw with Chelsea, but you know, they will probably need to play one of the group winners in the last eight as well. So, you know, when you throw that in to the mix, there's also some potentially dangerous, what I would call kind of on their day teams who will finish second in their groups who might throw a spanner in the works too. So, uh, you'd look at Chelsea, Barcelona, Leon and PSG and say the, the, the strongest four, um, probably. Um, the way the groups have obviously been panning out so far. Um, but yeah, it doesn't always work out like that. No, this is football. Alex, do you, do you agree with Andrew? Do you think maybe a team like Wolfsburg or even Juventus, they could sort of peep in as well, maybe because they've just got more experience playing in these sort of tournaments as well? Yeah, like you can never count out someone like Wolfsburg who have won the Champions League before, like they were winning against Chelsea and Chelsea did very well to come back and draw three all. But like, like Andrew said, sometimes those teams that finish second, it might just be a really competitive group. Had it had they been in another group, then they could have ended up first. So you can't really count anyone out, but it's definitely looking like Chelsea, PSG, Arsenal, are kind of the ones 
that seem to be ahead of the curve. And like Andrew said, Barca could literally obliterate any opponent with the way they're going. They did it to Chelsea, they did it to Arsenal. So if I was in, if I was one of the teams, I wouldn't want to face Barca because they are on that high momentum. Uh, we'll be talking about Barcelona later on today. But moving on to domestic matters, and it was the women's football weekend with some mouth-watering games taking place WSL and the Championship. On Saturday, it was the North London derby with Tottenham looking to finally get one over on Arsenal. It was such an entertaining game as the Gunners dominated the first half with Katie McCabe and Beth Mead both hitting the woodwork, as well as Spurs goalkeeper Tina Rika Coppella in outstanding form as well. Rachel Williams gave Spurs the lead in the 65th minute as she bundled the ball over the line, which meant Arsenal trailed for the first time in a league game this season. It looked like the unbeaten record might be coming to an end for Jonas Eideval's side, but who else other than Vivian Miedemar heading home a corner in stoppage time to prevent a first defeat of the season for the Gunners? Sandra, you were at the game. Can you can you tell us a little bit about it? I mean, Arsenal's record now no longer 100%, but they kind of have that never-say-die attitude. Do you think their mentality's changed a bit this season? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly more ruthless, particularly in front of goal. In fact, as mentioned earlier, they've got an array uh, of attackers, forwards and midfielders and you know defenders who can all score at any given time. I mean, the first half, they were particularly dominant and, I, and Tottenham did very well to withstand this, you know, the, the amount of attempts they had on, on goal. Um, but then Tottenham, I mean, I have to say, Rianne Skinner, the work that she's done in terms of turning them around in, this, in the space of, this, of a year to the fact that they came so close to getting what would have been an historic win, you know, that the, 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 their form so far this season has been very impressive. And I had a chance to speak to Rachel Williams um, who's a midfielder slash, and she also kind of doubles almost like a forward. I had a chance to speak to her ahead of the game and she was saying how determined they were, that they wanted to try and get, you know, if they could get that win following the FA Cup loss um, that they they suffered against Arsenal previously. And I, when, I was, when I was at the game, there was a, a great chance that Ashley Neville had to, to double their lead, which probably would have, you know, meant that would have been it for, for you know, Tottenham and getting that historic win. But um, it was a fantastic game. Lots. It was a great, quite dramatic, uh, you know, lots of bodies on the line. Tottenham, I think one of their players, Maeve uh, Clemeron, blocking one shot with her face and needing treatment. Then you had Katie McCabe as well, putting in some, you know, cracking the bar, Beth Mead, cracking the, you know, the crossbar as well. And just, and then obviously, as you say, Vivian Miedemar showing at the end to get that point. Um, it, was, it was a great um, definitely a great advertisement for um, women's football and WSN and also for women's football weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I saw a great thing on social media that this same fixture in 2017, Arsenal beat Spurs 10-0. So it kind of does show that progression as well. Um, and you said you spoke to Rachel Williams and she actually said she's getting sick of it always being the same yes. team at the top now. So where would you think where do you think Rianne wants Spurs to go? Do you, do you see them as Champions League, you know, sort of contenders next season or maybe a top five finish? What do you think the aim is there? Well, for this season, I mean, it's interesting when I, I again ask Rachel that question, you know, do you see, you know, people are talking about you and Brighton as dark horses for that potential top three, top four finish. And they're kind of playing it, you know, coy. They're not trying to get too far ahead of themselves. They just say, she, you know, she says 
they want to be up there. They want to do their very best and, and you know, rack up as many wins and get as many points as they can. I mean, I think the fact that obviously Man City have had a, a, a you know, by their standards, a poor start to the season has opened things up. And then you're, you're seeing teams like your Tottenham's, like teams who have, you know, been a working progress and all of a sudden showing their cards. So it, we'll have to wait and see. I think it'd be interesting. I mean, Tottenham have already beaten Man City, albeit there was controversy around one of the goals. But it'll be interesting to see what happens when they face um, the likes of, say, a Man City again, both them and Brighton, to see where they are and when they face Chelsea and, to, you know, just to see where they are. I mean, if they are able to get um, points, you know, if Tottenham are able to beat City again, then you'd have to say they're, they're in, they're up there. I mean, we're coming towards Christmas, still early days, we're coming towards Christmas, but I think we'll wait and see what happens by, say, Jan. I mean, Hope Powell, for example, with Brighton, um, you know, before their game against Leicester, she was saying that Christmas is a time that they normally, they sometimes have a bit of a wobble. So she wants to see how they do around that period before, you know, talking of top three, top four. And obviously they want to be up there, but they're, you know, they're kind of like trying to keep calm as well. But yeah. Yeah, it's very, very tight. Andrew, do you agree? What would you, what would yeah. you say? Yeah, I think, well, I think the, the, just the, 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 the rise of Tottenham, obviously, in the last few years has been, you know, something to, 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 to watch. And I think it's just... I appreciate it is a long time ago now because because women's football has, has revolutionised in that period. But it's just worth pointing out that on the same weekend, 14 years ago, I've just looked this up, uh, Tottenham were losing 1-0 at home to Hendon in the uh, London and South East uh, Premier Division or the equivalent thereof um, in Tier 5. They they won that league that season. but they uh, So they've, they've come a long way in the intervening years, put it that way. And if they could somehow mark that kind of 14, 15-year period with a a tilt at the Champions League spots, it would uh, it would really cap it off. Absolutely. A great opening game to the weekend. And on Sunday, there was another eye-catching game of the day where Chelsea's trip to Manchester City. It wasn't that long ago that Chelsea had breezed past City in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. And this time, it was even more comfortable as they won 4-0. Chelsea opened the score in the first minute when Jesse Fleming pounced on a defensive mistake to score. Emma Hayes' side got a second just before half time. It broke quickly before Sam Kerr fired home from Guren Wrighton's ball. Fran Kirby then killed in after the break before Magdalena Eriksson headed home. The victory moves the Blues one point behind Arsenal and piles even more misery on City's manager, Gareth Taylor. Well, Alex, certainly no hangover from the Champions League victory midweek. Were you surprised by the scoreline for this one? You know, ahead of time, would you have predicted a 4-0 win? Maybe not, just because there could have been a little bit of fatigue. But for Chelsea to score within the first two minutes of the game, that really puts them on good momentum. It kind of sets the precedent for the day. And I know that City perhaps would have felt a little bit aggrieved that they didn't get the penalty shout before half-time. I don't know whether... I don't think it was a penalty. Other people may think it is. It's very subjective and they can feel hard done by because like Sandra said in a previous game, they have so maybe technology might be useful in the women's game. It might not. The fact that Chelsea ran out 4-0 winners and it was, again, four different goal scorers, it just shows by Arsenal that Chelsea are getting contributions from everywhere. So it kind of 
it makes them in a sense a well-oiled team because say if Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby are going through a bad run of form they is in the team who can pick up that scoring if that does happen yeah absolutely Andrew Emma Hay has once again said that she, she didn't feel like Chelsea had to play particularly that well do you think that kind of attitude is quite worrying if if a 4-0 win isn't even deemed good enough for that Chelsea side <laughs> she plays the game doesn't she Emma I think uh, it's it's fair to say um uh, I mean, she's got exacting standards. She 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 knows what she wants to reach. She tries to make sure that her players reach that level of performance. She doesn't let um, them think that they've kind of got things won and wrapped up because she knows, in her experience of the game, um, that you know if you once you got it, think you've got it made, uh, something can come back to bite you. And um, although they've already beaten uh, Brighton this season, for example, that is a, a game where in the last couple of seasons they have tended to to. T- you know, she knows that even though they can go to Manchester City and win, that's the first time they've done so, I think, at the start, uh, the Academy Stadium, that, um, you know, that, that any game round the corner, if you're not switched on, they've got all the players, they've got ability to switch in, switch out, uh, all the strength in depth. But if the attitude isn't there, um, then any team can slip up. And I think she knows that. And she knows that to put the pressure on Arsenal, um, you know, the Chelsea players need to feel as though 4-0 at Man City isn't enough, you know the scoreline but the performance you know the performance isn't enough they need to be better next week doesn't matter how good they are almost they could beat Barcelona 5-0 she'd want better the following week and that's the only way for a manager like her who's operating at the very top level to be because they they, she you know she's got those standards she wants them to reach always push yourself that little bit further that little extra five percent the following week yeah they definitely have that positive attitude don't they but Sandra let's just talk about Man City because you know, I know they have injury struggles and you can kind of say there were goalkeeping errors of the day, but they still had 10 international players playing in that starting eleven. So we've got to start talking about if it's not working on the pitch, is it the coaching? Is Gary at Man City, does it hang in a balance? Do you think there's there's pressure on him now? Well, that question was asked and he he said he didn't feel he was he was under pressure that, you know, uh, he felt comfortable, comfortable in his position, um, you know, despite, you know, the kind of, you know, questions about should he remain in, in you know, charge of, of the team. And I mean, obviously there was speculation last week, which was quickly slapped down of Luis Cortez, the former Barcelona boss, being in contention for the City job, but that the club have dismissed that. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, with, with City and with what, I mean, Yesterday, the goalkeeping error, well, not the, the defensive errors, kind of like mix-ups, didn't help. I guess we'll have to see what happens with them with the next run of games. I mean, obviously, in terms of the league, the next one for them is Aston Villa. But this season, it's a you know different kettle of fish. They've got a new boss, and they're they're also a stubborn, a hard team, a tough team to break down. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, I think the next set of runner games, um, you know, and also the Conti Cup game they have against um, Man United will kind of dictate where, where things lie. I mean, it, you know, if they pick up, if they pick up the more losses, then there will be questions asked, but he was adamant that he, you know, he, he is comfortable. He feels comfortable in his position. And I mean, he kept, you know, he hopped on and talked about a lot about those injuries, but as you say, He's still able to field a team of quality internationals, including a few lionesses, 
an Olympic gold medalist in that side. Um, uh, Karima Tayyib, the goalkeeper, is also a France international. Um, so that they do have quality in that side that, you, you know, there's only so much you can say the injuries, but and not that's not to say, however, that the likes of Lucy Bronze, uh, Steph Houghton, um, you know, and, and in particularly Chloe Kelly and the, you know, the attacking new Chloe Kelly bring, brings alongside the defensive organisation and new that the likes of Steph Houghton, Bronze brings, those are huge misses. And then obviously, not having your first two goalkeepers in Ellie Roebuck or Karen Barsley available, that is a blow, but you've still got quality internationals in that team. Yeah, absolutely. All eyes will be on Villa next week and Gareth Taylor. Right, Brighton stay in third. They left it late against Leicester City, who must have thought they were going to claim their first ever WSL point. Maisie Simmons' injury time free kick killed over Leicester's goalkeeper Kirsty Lavelle into the top corner to settle what was overall quite a poor game. Manager Hope Powell praised Leicester and said, it's nice to be up in the top three, but we know we can do better. Last week, we asked, could Brighton be dark horses? And many thanks to Mamdou Hamid for contacting us on Twitter. They said, Brighton are doing great and improving, but still, as their games for Arsenal and Chelsea show, they are far, far. They'll finish at best in the five. Andrew, what are your thoughts on that tweet? I mean, do you think, do you think Brighton could have a chance in, in sneaking into that top three? Well, there was mention there of, uh, of, of finishing uh, in the top five. I think uh, despite the start that uh, Brighton have made, they'll be delighted with with fifth. They've finished ninth, ninth and sixth in their three WSL seasons to date. So it would mark for them. Uh, I mean, they're not a club that looks to overstretch themselves, put it that way. They're, they're ambitious, um, you know, from top to bottom. Um, and if they were to find themselves suddenly in the mix for a, a Champions League spot come the final, say, you know, the final third of the season or whatever, then I've no doubt they would give it a go and be disappointed to miss out because obviously, you know, come around to the following season, everyone's back on naught and Man City's injuries are cleared up and Everton are better and suddenly, you know, the top four or five scenes out of reach again. Sometimes, you know, um, you need to make the most of, of, of situations when they come. I mean, they've been excellent at turning tight games into wins, particularly recently. They did so again, of course, uh, on Sunday. Defensively, you know, they've improved. Four clean sheets, I think it is already. Um, and with, you know, Man City and Everton being well short of, of where they have been, um, you know, this is their best chance at that sort of, you know, club record finish. Um, Reading away is their next league game. Could easily see them winning that one too with a good performance. Got to just get it right on the day. Then either side of Christmas, it's Man United, Arsenal and Man City. I think those three games will show how far they've come and whether they realistically can, can make that that top five. And again, with a squad like Brighton, you've got to keep everybody fit as well. That's the... The, the key thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Seagulls are flying high, but it's not quite going to plan, is it, Sandra, for Leicester at the moment? I mean, we can see it week in, week out, some improvement. But the last time a team had a start like this was Yeovil and, and they've kind of gone spiralled downwards and out of existence. Obviously, you don't think that's going to happen for Leicester because they put so much investment into the team. But when are they going to start paying it back? It, it needs to be now or never, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Morgan spoke in the past that, you, that they're about the team spirit and they're, despite the fact they've racked up so many, you know, they, all these losses that they do, they are confident that they will they will be there, will be in the league um, on that final day. But yeah, I mean, the, the, they've matched Yeovil's record, haven't they? And if they lose the next one, then that's, you know, they'll surpass it. It's a very tough start for them in the top flight. Um, I mean, they, the last gas goal yesterday must have been so 
devastating for them because they'd held out. But um, I think for them that the crucial, the crunch games for them will be Birmingham. You know that those though, that game against Birmingham, and if they can get the points, that will dictate as to to what will happen for them for the, for this season. It's, I mean, it's a long season. Jonathan says he's he's not he's not you know discounting them at all of staying in the league and they they want to stay in the league and the players have all said brought out that message when they've done press conferences so i mean they're you know pointless at the moment and but we'll we'll see we'll see where they are come january spirit spirit you need the three points guys but alex mamdu also says maybe the gap between wsl and championship is growing but in wsl the gap is bigger between chelsea city when they're fully fit and they have their you know Arsenal and the rest would you agree do you think there's a gap yeah I think so but I think a lot of that comes from investment if you're generally if you're part of a bigger club you're more likely to get more investment than say a Brighton or a Villa so that's maybe one of the reasons but I think with Leicester there is that little bit of inexperience coming from the lower league into the WSL never played there before and they have invested, but like you say, they've got to pay that investment forwards. And, you know, you can't keep using the excuse that they've just been promoted. At some point, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get the points, they're gonna have to be competitive in the league if they want to survive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll talk about a team that was promoted last season because elsewhere, Birmingham and Aston Villa clashed at St Andrews. Anita Asante's first half header gave Aston Villa their first ever WSL victory over City rivals Birmingham as Carla Ward returned to haunt her former club. Villa's lack of ruthlessness up front nearly cost them and piled on the pressure but couldn't force an equaliser to leave Blues boss Scott Booth gutted but bemoaned his side's slow start to the game. It was Villa's third victory of the season at St Andrews, while Birmingham remained winless and Carla Ward said the three points were massive. Andrew, for those who don't know you on this podcast, you are a a true hard Villa fan and you are sat there grinning at me right now, aren't you? Good game? Uh, yeah, I'm um, certainly am live. I mean, there's 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 nothing better than a than a win over Blues in a in a second city derby. Put it that way. Um, it's great for the women to finally experience that, particularly at the, at the top level. Um, it was a great header from Anita Asante. I think her first goal of the season, a huge boost to see it out, particularly after some uh, tough results in recent weeks. They started quite well, Villa. I think uh, we mentioned Brighton just now because they beat. Uh, Brighton earlier in the season and uh, um, uh, you know kept Chelsea down to one but uh, you know they'd suffered a few uh, defeats so uh, yeah no good for good for uh, for, for, for Villa to, to to get that win and uh, yeah it's always always big to beat Birmingham. <laughs> Absolutely and this is their highest tally at the moment in terms of points and kind of what Alex was saying when when you put that investment there you'll see the improvements do you do you feel like that's what's happening with Aston Villa now? Yeah, I think obviously getting Carla Ward in over the the, the, the summer was was a, a big help for them. Someone with you know good experience to to sort of uh, guide them through. Um, you know they aren't on the same experience level of a team like Brighton, and particularly obviously uh, you know they've got Hope Powell in in the dugout there. So it is still just about surviving at this level. Really, uh, last season, if you remember, we discussed. Um, the various teams who are in the relegation mix, and it, it got quite complicated at times, especially with teams playing each other towards the end. This time, 
Um, Leicester and Birmingham already looking a little danger. So this win puts further um, further distance between Villa and the bottom two, which is, I think, all they'll be interested in at this stage. And of course, it's about establishing themselves as a, you know, rather like what Brighton did. It's exactly the same curve, really. Um, sort of establishing establishing themselves in this uh, in this division and kicking on from there. But you know, unless you've got massive investment, you know, you're not. You know, you've got to take your time. You've got to take it season by season. Yeah, and speaking of season by season, Sandra, Birmingham seem to be having a pretty terrible time. Not just this season, but the last couple of years. Um, they'll be pretty happy that Leicester. Are, you know, in that relegation zone at the moment. But do you see it the same as Andrew, that it, it might just be between these two teams this season? I, I think so. I think it's def- it looks like it's between those two and that the game when they play each other will will be uh, crucial. I mean, whoever wins that um, will will determine probably who's going to go down. I mean, uh, I mean, with Birmingham, they're happy to have like Sarah Evans uh, back um, in, their, in their attack because she's been key for them. And obviously Louise Quinn just has been quite keep them at the back but I think what happens between Leicester and, and Birmingham in terms of that game between them will determine what happens in terms of relegation I think. Yeah absolutely those two teams definitely six pointers. Everton picked up their first point under new boss Jean-Luc Vasseur after a terrible mistake at the back cost Manchester United victory in the Women's Super League. The visitors struck early on when Ella Toon curled in after a quick counter Claire Emsley went close to equalising on the stroke of half-time, but her dipping effort hit the woodwork. However, Everton levelled late on when Simone McGill capitalised on a defensive mix-up to tap in. Um, Andrew, would you say that's a welcome point for Everton? I mean, I watched that game and at times I thought perhaps they should have, they, perhaps they should have won it. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously Everton had their opportunities. Um, I guess when you... <laughs> It's going to sound very obvious, but when you go a goal down, you get a draw out of it. You're happier than than the other way round. Um, but yeah, I think certainly, you know, given Everton's problematic start to the season, given that, I mean, the fixture list really, the fixture computer really was unkind to Everton. We talked about it might have been kind to Brighton, but by goodness, did it stitch Everton up? Um, they were always going to improve their results um, as the as the you know late summer turned into to autumn and winter so I think um, I think yeah Everton will will feel comfortable with this put it that way yeah absolutely and, and Alex I think this was their third draw now Manchester United um, they seem to be conceding quite late late goals as well do you do you feel like there needs to be a mentality shift with perhaps just seeing out games like this yeah and they always say that that one nil scoreline is always a caution, a cautious one, because like you say, one nil, you can either go on to win or you can concede late, like United have done. Maybe if they get that two goal cushion, because then at least if they concede late, then it's not as big a deal. And also it looks good stats wise if they're getting more goals. But yeah, I think it's not that they don't have the talent. Maybe towards the end, it might be a little bit of a lack of focus or the brain not engaging with set pieces, perhaps, or with these little things where they are conceding. So for them, I wouldn't be, I'd be worried, but I wouldn't be worried to the point where we've got to think, oh, we need a new manager, we need a new this, we need a new that. I think maybe it's a case of 
going over where they've gone wrong in these past couple of games and why they've conceded and try and rectify that in the next match that they play, which is probably a better approach than to just panic and not really think about why they're conceding so late on. Yeah, absolutely. A few disgruntled fans, but what's new in the in the land of Manchester? Um, last game of the WSL saw West Ham and Reading draw 2-2 uh, with the Royals coming from 2-0 down to snatch it a point at the death. The Hammers appeared to be heading for victory after headers by Lisa Evans and Grace Fisk put them in control. Abby Lay Stringer started Reading's comeback when she put one past her own keeper before one of their own Emma Harry struck the dramatic equaliser in the 92nd minute. West Ham dominated as they had 15 goal attempts, but are now without a win in three as they slipped to seventh. For Reading, having lost their first four league matches, Kelly Chambers' side are now unbeaten in three and have taken seven points from the last nine on offer. The Royals are up to eighth in the table, two points behind the Hammers. So that's the WSL wrapped up. Let's move on to the championship next. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work that way. Even a quick look at the message, for quick reply, affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. And in the championship, it was a huge game up in the northeast as first took on second as Durham hosted Liverpool. In front of a new record crowd of 1,139 at Durham University Sports Park, it was the Reds who took all three points and consigned Durham to a second straight defeat. It was two second half goals in the space of four minutes from Leanne Kiernan and Taylor Hins, which gave Matt Beard's side all three points and moved them to the top of the table. The Reds now haven't been beaten since the opening day of the season. Sandra, that's a big result for Liverpool, isn't it, in their quest to or get automatic promotion again. Can, can you see anyone stopping them? Well, what's interesting is that five-point gap kind of separating, you know, from one to four, isn't it? And what's interesting is also London City Lionesses and their run. Um, you know, they beat, was it Sheffield United, I think, was it yesterday? Did they beat them? So, um, yeah, so, I mean... It, I do. Liverpool, you'd say, are favourites. I, w- I wouldn't discount Durham at all. Consider, you know, they've been, they've been unfortunate. They've been close or there thereabouts, you know, in the last few seasons, but they're not quite making it. But I mean, Liverpool definitely strong contenders, particularly with, uh, you know, Matt Beard uh, leading the way and the experience he has of of getting, you know, you know, w- with them in the past, but then also of just, you know, um, the stuff he's done with teams in the WSL. I think. It, the, the race will be fascinating. I think we yet to see anyone pull away as yet. So I'm not quite sure who I would say, are, you know, are the strongest. I wouldn't discount either Durham or London City Lionesses, you know, at, at this point either. It's uh, quite competitive, but that was a very good win for Liverpool yesterday at Durham. They're, you know, they're a tough team to break down. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sandra answered about four of my questions, which is also great to have. <laughs> but Alex, Durham are getting the support now, you know, like a record attendance, you know, more and more seeing the games. But this result, maybe like Sandra said, doesn't show that they've always kind of been there, but they're still not quite there yet, are they? Yeah, definitely. Like It shows the potential that they have to go on for bigger and better things. And 
it's not like they're bottom of the league and there's no hope for them. They've still got the chance to progress. And like you say, having record crowds and having a crowd behind the team makes such a difference. It can it can really like not rile the players up, but it can really they can really get behind the players and they can really I don't I don't know what's the right word, but uh, the chance and everything can really help improve a player's mood and perhaps you know change their fortunes in terms of results. So all is not lost for Durham. One bad result's not gonna mar their season so far. No, absolutely. But it, it does mean they dropped a third with that result and they're leapfrogged, as Sandra said, by, you know, a, a surprise contention this season with London City Lionesses who beat Sheffield United thanks to an Amy Rogers goal on 66 minutes. Uh, Sandra, yeah, like we talked about, they've, they've kind of slipped under the radar, but do you think they're firmly the ones maybe to watch, you know, like rival it out with Liverpool this season? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, um, Lisa Phillips has done a very good job with, with that team. I mean, that their performances so far this season have been, been impressive. They strengthened really well in the summer transfer window, adding players like Rihanna Jarrett, experienced internationals in that side. So, yeah, they definitely ones to watch over the rest of, of, of the season and just see how, how things pan out. What I really am quite like is the fact that with Durham, with London City Lioness, you've got two teams vying to be in the WSL who are not affiliated with, they're not supported by a men's football club or, you know, they're doing their stuff um, independently, which, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see. And just the fact that they're able, you know, Durham have, like you say, they've been there and thereabouts and then, they have, you know, haven't quite got there. But the fact that you've got these two up there battling it out with, um, you know, Sheffield United and Liverpool is great, great for fans to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of Sheffield United, this leaves them in ninth position now. Um, you know, last season, last couple of seasons, I think, when Carla Ward was there, they, they they came close to going up. Andrew, are you surprised to see them sort of struggling this season? Yeah, I think so. I think they've obviously, you know, it's rather like uh, the Durham situation, always been there or thereabouts and then found themselves pipped um, by other teams. Um Durham have continued to kind of uh, challenge. Certainly looks like they will do this season. Always a danger that I mentioned about. Again, I'll come back to the Brighton and WSL. You know, if you don't take one of your chances, then eventually um, you may end up having a season where you're not up there and suddenly everything does change. And, you know, I'm not uh, talking specifically about Sheffield United, but eventually, you know, if, if you have a season or two like that, suddenly players look elsewhere and they may think, well, is there a better opportunity for promotion elsewhere? So, you know, when you go close two or three times, and it's very tricky, um, you know, because as I say, everybody resets the following season and 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 there's no guarantees in football. So it is difficult, um, you know, to see Sheffield or surprising to see Sheffield United down there. What I would say, though, is, I mean, we you know, we always talk about it um, exactly the same as the, the, the men's championship, really. It's it's a it's a competitive league. There aren't there may be a, a bit of a split halfway, but, you know, if Sheffield United can can climb. And there's only, I mean, there's only a few points separating them from fourth. So if Sheffield United can put together some results over the next few weeks, you know, they, they, they're going to need quite a few to be back in the promotion picture with only one spot, of course. Um, but, you know, they can certainly, they're capable of turning things around, put it that way. It's a funny old game, football, isn't it? 
Right, Crystal Palace striker Bianca Baptiste took over our Instagram stories on Sunday as we went behind the scenes for their South London derby against Charlton. It was bragging rights to the Eagles thanks to two goals from Millie Farrow and one from Kirsty Barton. Despite goals from Holly Alden and Jessica King, it's Palace who move up into fourth place. If you get a chance to pop onto our stories, have a look at the behind the scenes in the dressing room afterwards because there were some very happy faces. Bristol City were relegated into the championship this season from the WSL and after a slow start, they are now unbeaten in four of their last five games, thanks to a comprehensive 3-0 win over Blackburn Rovers. Rovers' Helen Seed planted the ball into her own net to give the Vixens the lead. It took until the 70th minute for them to double the lead through Abby Harrison before the wonderfully named Agnes Jonas Beaver, who is on loan from Chelsea, added a third. So, Sandra, I know we talked about it earlier. It's actually, there's, there's five teams, you know, Bristol are sat in fifth and only six points away from Liverpool. Kind of what Andrew said with the competitive of this, this league. Do you, do you see it chopping and changing as we go on? Yeah, I mean, there will probably be a point where somewhat, well, a couple of teams might pull away as, as Leicester and Durham did and just last season and just, it was literally a battle between them right to the, to the, to the wire. Um, I mean, it is fascinating to see, like you say, that Bristol, Bristol are, are in there and are in and around it. Um, and, you know, and also what was great to see also for their game yesterday, they broke, I think they broke their, their record attendance. They had more than, in terms of the number of fans they had there, which is great. Um, yeah, they'll be there and there around it. And obviously, like you say, having quality players that they've brought in on, on, on loan in Aggie Beaver-Jones from Chelsea, as well as someone like Abby Harrison, just, you know, performing really well is a boost for them I mean that it, it was quite sad to see them go down you know because when you look at the, the what they've done in the WSL you know only at the, the early the, the WSL's infancy they were competing in Europe with people like Jess Fishlock in the sides and then to see them they're here in the championship but it's great to see them in contention and in and around it and in, you know in that fight with uh, Liverpool Durham and uh, London City Lionesses and what have you, you know, to try and get that vital promotion spot. So, yeah, I, I guess it'd be good to see how, how they do around January, January time. And, and um, yeah, I think it's, it's good that they're, they're in and amongst it, um, considering the, the kind of history they have in terms of their link with the WSL. Yeah. Sandra, can I just ask, ask a quick question? Do you think in terms of the championship that the, the, the transfer window may sort of end up deciding it given how tight it is that you know if, if if there's one or two canny signings by one of the, the the top sides might that just tilt the balance come the end of the season possibly particularly if sides are looking to boost attack and what have you just to it that might that might well be be the thing I mean but what's interesting when you look at a team like Durham for example and and you know you've got players in there who I didn't realize was you know they're juggling they're they're more or less full-time footballers, but then they still got jobs, which I'm, you know, like, for example, Sarah Robson juggling, playing for Durham with being a college tutor, which I had no idea about, which I'm, I'm just, that, that to me is quite impressive. But yeah, I think transfer window in January and what the business that some of these clubs do might dictate what happens next. I'm not a great multitasker, so to be able to have a hold down a job and play the football is something that's quite impressive to me. Right. Elsewhere, Watford and Sunderland drew one apiece, which didn't help either side. Kira Ramshaw gave the North East side the lead before Leanne Bell equalised six minutes into the second half to keep stretch Watford's unbeaten run to three games. Coventry United remained bottom as they got thumped down at the dripping pan by Lewis. 
The two sides went in level at half-time thanks to Katie Wilkinson's equaliser after Lucy Ashwood Clifford had given the home side the lead. Lewis pulled away in the second as Ashwood Clifford added a second with goals, either side of that by Paula Howells and Ini Umatong. Right, let's turn our attentions to the FA Cup. It was the first round proper and Andrew, as always, you're going to be picking out the key results from the weekend as you're our expert. So over to you. Yeah, thanks, Liv. Well, it was um, 5th tier Stourbridge who took the plaudits, uh, an outstanding uh, 3-2 win at uh, Derby County, who sit third in the FA Women's National League Northern Premier Division. That's two leagues above them. Uh, Courtney Murphy's 40-yard stoppage time lob secured a dramatic victory for Stourbridge, so well done to them. Uh, Exeter City and Chorley from the fourth tier uh, also uh, beat third-tier opposition, uh, knocking out Cardiff and Middlesbrough, respectively. Uh, Salford City Lionesses, uh, Northampton Town and Clapton Community were the other three sides to cause upsets, defeating teams from a league above them. Uh, Clapton Community are one of two teams from the sixth tier of women's football into the draw for the second round. The other is Netherton United. I should also uh, give a shout-out uh, to third-tier side Hounslow. They may have needed penalties to beat fifth-tier Worthing, but it came after a one-all draw. Why is that important or why is that notable? Well, that was their first goal in a competitive game since March 2020. That's after 18 consecutive games without scoring. So Hounslow on target and into the second round after a one-all draw um, penalty shootout against Worthing. And as we're recording now, uh, the second round draw is taking place. Andrew, anything for us to be looking across? Yep, just looking uh, at it now, Liv. Uh, Hounslow will face Clapton Community at home. So that's an away trip to a National League Premier Division side uh, for one of the remaining Tier 6 teams. The other, Netherton United, they're on the road as well at fourth tier Long Eaton. Uh, Stourbridge's reward for stunning Derby is a trip to Cambridge City. Uh, and just very quickly, there's a few all third tier side um, uh, ties to pick out. AFC filed against Burnley. There's Sheffield against Huddersfield in there as well. Uh, Ipswich Town doing very well in the Southern Premier Division are at home to uh, divisional rivals Crawley Wasps. Uh, Chichester and Celsius against Bridgewater as well. Uh, and a, a potentially intriguing uh, matchup as well uh, between Portsmouth and Bournemouth. So, um, yeah, lots of uh, 28 ties. Uh, in that uh, second round draw to be played on Sunday, the 28th of November. Right. And as we mentioned last week, we encourage people to get out and take in the women's game for Women's Football Weekend, whether it be in the WSL, the Championship, the FA Cup or lower. Andrew, you're at the game between Whiteleaf and Dulwich, a club which is very unique, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a, a progressive, uh, forward-thinking, a well-supported club across uh, both men's and women's football. The men averaged 2,500 at, at Champion Hill in National League South. Um, just to put that into perspective, only seven clubs in the National League itself get higher crowds, and teams like Crawley, Salford and Harrogate get around that figure in League Two. Uh, their women's team play in the fifth-tier London and South East Premier Division and have regularly pulled in home crowds of nearly 300 this season. And when I tell you the average gate across the championship uh, in sort of recent seasons has been around about the 500 mark, that shows how well supported they are. A few years ago, uh, they brought on board the team of AFC Phoenix, 
an independent club who were looking to merge with a, an established um, men's team. Um, AFC Phoenix had uh, finished second in the London and Southeast Premier Division and won the League Cup. Um, Dulwich took them on and they've uh, gone from strength to strength since, really. They were top of the table in the last two seasons when COVID uh, brought both to a halt. But this season has been a bit trickier for them. Uh, they'd lost three of their six matches going into Sunday's trip to Whiteleaf, a team who had beaten them at Champion Hill just a few weeks before. Everything pointed to a close game. Uh, Whiteleaf had won back-to-back games. Dulwich had lost the last two. And Hamlet edged the first half to lead 1-0. They then pulled clear in the second half, playing some excellent football and ran out 5-0 winners. Anna Jowell got herself a hat-trick, while Harriet Crofts was outstanding at the back. So a good win for Dulwich on Women's Football Weekend. And I have to say that uh, I mean, there's a crowd of just over, just under 100 at uh, Whiteleaf. And uh, that's replicated, I think, across the um, across the board with uh, good attendances being uh, increased at various games across the country. So another well-organised Women's Football Weekend. Sounds like you had a great day out, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's always great fun watching uh, any uh, any games at any level. But uh, yeah, it makes makes a nice makes a nice change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it for our domestic in, in the UK. But as ever, we are always looking at what's happening in the leagues across Europe. Last week, we looked at the Bundesliga, where it was fairly tight. Let's look at the Primera division in Spain. It's fair to say it's not as tight at the top. Barcelona, Barcelona lead the way with 10 wins from 10. They beat Levante 4-0 on Saturday, which means they have now, guys, can't believe I'm reading this stat out, they've already scored 58 goals and only conceded two. Their nearest rivals are Real Sociedad, who won at Atletico Madrid thanks to a 93rd-minute winner, and their Basque rivals, Atletico Bilbao, won 2-0 at Rayo Viocano to move up into third place. Well, that is it. What a wrap that is. Uh, my thanks to you, Sandra, Andrew and Alex. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and Instagram, the Women's Football Podcast, and also subscribe via all good podcasting platforms. Until then, have a great week and we'll see you all very soon. <laughs> <laughs>